Hello and welcome to Supply Chains, the Secret Sauce. I'm your host, Wade Wickes, CEO of Link Supply Chains at linksupplychains.com. This show is dedicated to supply chain and the secret sauce that supply chain provides for businesses. Going to have some humor, real life issues, some solutions, great connections, and a few life lessons. So tune in. Hey everyone, welcome to today's show. Well, we're really excited. Today we're going to have a discussion about procurement. So we've got a gentleman on the show that has over 30 years of experience in both public and private companies about procurement, the procurement end of the supply chain. Learn about the leadership, skills, and the teamwork needed to make procurement rock and roll. Hi, everyone. On today's show, we are excited to have a person who has more than 30 years of experience in supply chain purchasing, Mr. John Erding. He's worked with privately held companies and Fortune 100 public companies. He specializes in the meat and poultry procurement lanes. John is currently VP of Purchasing for Performance Food Group in Minnesota. Hey, John, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Wade. That's I'm glad you're here. And where are you calling in from? Minnesota, right? I'm calling in from Minnesota here at the end of October, and we've already got snow on the ground. If you can't believe it, we've added 10 inches this year. So uh, looking forward to spring already. You'll be ice fishing before you know it. Oh, God. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> well, John, thanks for coming on the show. We really are excited about this procurement angle. And uh, I know you've got many years in the procurement Helm, uh, both at Cisco and at, at Reinhardt, now at PFG. So what is one thing that you have learned that you would like to share that would be helpful for new and upcoming procurement leaders about creating a cohesive procurement team? Well, that's a great question, Wade. And it's one that's uh, a lot easier to answer than it is to develop. But the first word that comes to my mind is diversity. Um, I've worked in procurement now for 30 some years and it took me a while to figure it out but having a good group of people that have some with experience some new uh some in purchasing even some with sales experience i think is really important uh when you look at putting together a good cohesive group uh, we all have our own unique strengths and skills we bring to the table and trying to stack a team with a particular purchasing only uh, background sometimes can be a little limiting to thinking outside the box and being creative. Uh, I really like teams that have diversity among people. Some people that, how do I put it? You might want to call them a grinder. Someone that's really good at a computer system can sit there and create POs and manage inventory spectacularly well but might not have a whole bunch of people skills, uh, especially in food service purchasing. Typically your customer is more on the sales end. I mean, he's a sales rep. He's my counterpart at my company. That's really who uh, the customer is that I deal with every day. It's the salespeople within my team, within my organization. And also the salespeople that are outside of it a little bit, like salespeople for a manufacturer rep, say a General Mills or, or a food broker. Uh, there, I think having some other people with sales skills really comes into play. Uh, 
And, and typically it's hard to find someone that has both of those skill sets of being able to understand the computer system in and outs really well uh, in product uh, versus someone who can deal with the salespeople and understand what they need, when they need it, and how they need to get things done. Uh, and having those diversities of people on your team is really important, I think, to the team being successful, uh, not only within the purchasing team, but within the whole organization. That's a great point. So like having that diverse skill set, I think, is you know, really what, what you're bringing up here, which is really important because yeah, procurement is, is a very diverse job function, right? I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of different parts to it, right? Well, exactly. And, and what you got to look at, too, when you're looking at building a procurement team, uh, is your team a centralized team? Are, are you creating a team within a company headquarters that needs to be doing a very defined set of roles? And what are those roles and what are those objectives? Uh, versus if you're out in the field, and that's basically where my skill set comes back into it, is that's where you really need diversity, meaning you've got to be able to fill a bunch of different roles there. Uh, and it takes a while to do that. Learning what someone's skill set is and getting them to do that uh, well and then giving them much of that particular of those tasks that they're good at. Um, some people are really good at numbers and they really understand how computer systems think and work. Give them as much as you can and say, here you go. You go manage the inventory and all these product lines and all these other areas and then team them up with someone that might have more of the people skills to deal with the salespeople and the brokers and, and on the creative side of how do you create flyers and move sales and move the needle. Uh, that's a really important aspect, I think, of purchasing today. Not to say you can't find an individual who's good at both. That does happen. But that's typically more of the exception than the rule. Uh, we've all been built with our own set of skills, and we really can't get too far off that as much as we want to try. You know, that, that old adage of trying to make someone's weaknesses and work on those weaknesses and, and improve them, I don't agree with. If I'm not good at something, if I'm not good at painting and being creative, I just wasn't given that skill when I, I was born. And there's nothing I can do to change it. I can work at it all I want. The reality of it is, uh-uh, I'll never be good at that. Yet at the same point, if I'm buying... Um, the skill set here is is painting. Maybe I was good at organizing where to go buy all, all the equipment and tools you need to get that skill set done because that's my strength, organization. So that's what you got to do is when you sit down with your people and you're building a team, you got to understand who you're dealing with and get to know those people. And that's where I think getting to know them almost on a personal level, a little bit about their lives and their backgrounds will give you a lot of in-depth in information. Asking someone, what, what do you like to do when you're outside of work? What, what fun things are you doing? I mean, are you an athletic person and you're out there running around and you're big into golf or sports or anything like that? Or is someone more introverted? Oh, I like to read. You know, I like to organize my house and things like that. That'll give you a lot of insight into those people and to what skill levels they'll bring to the table at work. What you do at home, typically you're going to do at work. It's not going to be a whole lot of difference. Uh, and then give those people as much tasks that fit to those skill levels, uh, and then they'll do a great job for you. If you try and fix their weaknesses, it's say it, you're never going to do that. That just isn't going to happen. It's just like me. 
You know, John, those those are really good points. And there's a lot of uh, books that really, I mean, reiterate what you're saying is play to everybody's strengths because strengths are where you're going to get people to move off center. And that's that's a great point. And I kind of wanted to move a little bit towards how do you uh, bring a team together around maybe goal setting or what you want to do or accomplish for a year? How do you get everybody on that page? Do you, you know, incorporate them in the process or what's, what's your method? Well, my method there is, you know, it depends upon, again, what kind of purchasing team you're going to be putting together. I think uh, one of the things I've used for quite a while is, you know what, the company's always, no matter who you're working for, unless you're privately held, uh, in your own company, especially a publicly held company, is going to give you certain amounts of goals you need to hit. You know, inventory days on hand, service level of customers, maybe it's finance and marketing funds. Those are all going to be prevalent, and you're going to have to figure out what those are. And some of those come top down, and you can't do a lot about them. Still, though, when it comes to managing those, you become a salesperson a little bit. Uh, having two or three company goals, I think we're all going to deal with that one way or another in our lives. But then what I do is I ask my people, each individually, and, I'm, and I might even make some suggestions, is that they need to then create two or three personal goals of their own, meaning in their job. Here's a good example. I've got uh, one of my buyers right now that loves to do training and, and help get other buyers up to speed, very knowledgeable on the computer system. So when I sat down, sat down with him to do his goals for this coming upcoming year, I gave him two or three ideas. And I says, you know what, Mike, you really like to do training. We've got a new junior buyer on. What do you think if you put down uh, on your one of your goals saying, hey, I'm going to train Candace and get her up to speed and, and then set down a defined process of what she needed to be trained on and get a little outline going, nothing too detailed. I didn't want to take the creativity away from him. But at the same point, giving them some ideas of what needs to be done. So I try and do that all the time. Every time I'm setting up employees on yearly and biannual goals, uh, at least 50% of them, uh, I ask them to create for themselves. And when you create your own goal, you're kind of committed to, to doing it uh, because it's something that's, that's yours. You own it. And just as well as a, as a, as a manager, you've got to make sure those are good goals and they fit the company overall and will actually lead towards what you're trying to do. But, but typically a good, a good employee is going to pick up on that pretty quick and realize what's going to work and what might not work. But again, it's coming back to having them create the goal and having them define the parameters of what's success and what isn't. And then following up a couple times during the year uh, to make sure they're on task and help them along if they need help, if they can't find information or if they need to, sit down and figure some other information out, uh, being a support person to help them reach that goal. And, and I, I can guarantee you that after you do that with an employee and the review comes out good and they get that goal done, not only do they create new good goals in the future, but they buy more into the company ones just as well. That's a great point. You, you know, what John is saying is so true, so true about you know, getting engaged, knowing their, their life, what's going on in their life, knowing their goals, having them be a part of, of the company and, and what they want to try to achieve. And then removing those roadblocks, like John said, you know, and helping them achieve those, that success is just fantastic. That's great. So how, how do you handle uh, conflicts on the team? Like when there's disagreements, you know, you've had big teams, you've got lots of people, a lot of different personalities. And sometimes there's conflicts where people just don't get along. 
What's your, your best way to handle that challenge? Well, that's, that's a tough question to answer because uh, every one of those little conflicts requires a little bit different response. Uh, best way to typically, as what I've always tried to do is, I honestly think uh, the old adage of we've got two ears and one mouth uh, means you listen twice as much as you talk. Uh, you can only learn from your people what the issue is if you're listening and and doing that. Uh, typically, I will set people aside in different rooms, hear both sides of the story when it comes to a conflict of something not getting done or covered. Uh, at the same point, bringing them back together and discussing it after you have a very good idea and understanding of both sides of the issue. Uh, I've always kind of used a saying in life, there's always two sides to the coin, but there's that little edge that really defines the difference. And getting to that little edge or that little piece of information or that little in-depth uh, research you can do on your own to figure out the problem is good. And realizing, too, uh, I think it's real important to understand your employees. Typically, there's two types of people, uh, people that are very much an emotional decision maker and people that are non-emotional. Uh, I've been told many times in my life by my spouse that there's not an emotional bone in my body. Well, you know what? I'm probably not going to change that. Uh, and it's typically understanding uh, the conflict is going to come between two people that are on polar opposites. One will be very emotional about everything, and the other person will be very non-emotional. And having them understand and have some empathy of the other person's position is key to that. That's a great point. Those social styles of how we are as people, um, that's a great point. That everybody needs to understand that not everybody thinks the same way you do, but it's just getting everybody together, right? I mean, your, your task, it sounds like, is, is take that conflict uh, that's going on and, and address it right away, right? Don't let it linger. Exactly. That's the, that's the important part about any kind of conflict is understanding uh, how big of a conflict is this? And is it going to be bigger from one person than the other? And if, and if it is, and most of the time it will be, is finding out and dealing with a person that has a higher level of conflict in a very timely manner. If you let things simmer and get worse, it's only going to make much more difficult challenge getting to those people in the future. Uh, and, and it's going to make the problem bigger and bigger and, quite frankly, can get blown out of proportion pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, there are things that I'm sure people can work out, but those, those are pretty minor. If it gets to you, to you, it's a pretty big deal. Well, at the same point, I think a lot of conflict in organizations can be, I hate to use the word avoided, prevented probably is, is more accurate. If the goals and objectives of the people within your department are somewhat similar and if everybody understands them, uh, the goal and objective of a dry buyer can be totally different than from that of a produce buyer. Uh, are those two going to knock heads on occasion? Certainly. They've got different issues to worry about. Produce buyers are always worrying, gosh, is my truck going to show up today on time? What am I going to get? Am I going to get shorted? Uh, they deal in inventory levels of days, you know, two to three days on average, whereas a dry goods buyer is more of, gosh, you know what? My truck isn't going to come for three weeks. Do I have enough safety stock in do I have enough of my sub products on hand in case there's issues in today's supply chain? Um, so working through those and having them understand each other. And on occasion, I've done this a couple of times is 
I've had people switch buying product lines for a few weeks so they get a better understanding of what the other department person in the department's dealing with. Absolutely. That's a great point. That's a great point. And, you know, it, it kind of uh, makes me think of um, another point in, in this whole spectrum of procurement. There's always that fine line between sales and operations and procurement. And do you have a method for your madness about how you, uh, with your team, kind of walk that line with uh, operations and making sure that they get what they need while you get what you need and sales as well? Um, Probably, you know, connecting with those leaders as well, right? Well, exactly. I've got a very good relationship and working relationship with both the warehouse managers I work with right now and the warehouse VP just as well. Um, Again, that comes down to understanding the warehouse has so many pallets they can receive a day and so many cases they can pick a night and spreading spreading out inbound product to them is very important so we keep efficient. Um, Understanding that goal, uh, I've always been person on my side to teach my team uh, when they start to go antsy about oh I can't get this load in today yet we really need it I use that as a teaching moment for my department many times to say guys if we increased our cases per pallet from 30 to 32 we can receive an extra 5,000 cases in a week roughly five truckloads of product and not cost the warehouse another dime uh, at the same point working with the warehouse managers then to say you know what, we've got too much product coming in on Fridays. I pushed it right back to them and says, which suppliers do you need to change? Which ones are causing you the problem? And get that list and then talk through those suppliers with them. Sometimes we can't change those, but we can change others. I think that open positive communication and understanding of uh, buy-in here to say purchasing and on occasion to our ops team, we can only do so much in a day. There are physical restraints every inbound building has in the world and outbound just as well. And knowing what those constraints are and what the maximum is, is important. Once you understand it and buy into where your company's constraints are, you will make good decisions to maximize profits. That is the secret sauce right there, ladies and gentlemen. That's well said, John. Well said. Understanding the constraints in the warehouse, the constraints in sales too, right? Your sales team has constraints that they have to live by. And uh, as long as your team understands that, it, it creates a cohesive environment that everybody can play in. That's great. Well, I appreciate yeah. it, John. Thank you so much. Well, thanks, Wade. Enjoyed our talk today. And uh, hopefully we'll have another discussion in the future soon again. I would love that. I would love that a lot. Hopefully the Zoom gods are uh, better for us next time. I know uh, Zoom is always challenging. So I appreciate your patience. And uh, thank you again. Appreciate it, John. All right. Talk to you later. Have a good day. Well, everybody, that's our show for today. Thank you very much for tuning in. As always, check us out at www.linksupplychains.com. Provide any comments. I always want to know how to improve the podcast. And please subscribe. And be sure to share this podcast with those you think that might find usefulness with it. Appreciate you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening.